0: Welcome to Community Groups. Welcome, everybody. My name is Maddie Fan, and I am the Connections Director here at Hill City. I am talking to mostly all of our community groups, and we are creating a little mini-series about spiritual disciplines. So through this conversation, we hope that each of you listening leaves with new perspective on how spiritual disciplines might free up space in your head, your faith, um, or your relationships for something better. This series is inspired by a book written back in the 70s called The Celebration of the Disciplines. The author, Richard Foster, explores 12 different types of spiritual disciplines, and in part one of this mini-series, we will cover six of those disciplines total. We'll talk to some of our staff members here at Hill City to explore what each discipline is, why it matters, and if living it out could actually be liberating. I am here today with uh, our resident podcaster, Matt Fisher. (laughs) Um, Some of you might be familiar with Matt. He is a host in many of our other podcast episodes, so we are stoked to have him. Well, thanks for having me. All right. We are asking each of our staff people to get us started in Icebreaker just so we can all get familiar with you. So Matt, if you were a famous musician, what kind of music would you make?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. It's tricky for me because I am in a band.
0: You are. But the
1: kind of music I make probably wouldn't be for lots of people. I don't know (laughs) if you can get famous making hardcore music. Maybe. Maybe. So I guess my answer would be probably like in my heart of hearts, it would be hip-hop. Like, oh, I would nice. love to be a rapper. I also have a deeply held belief that everyone who sings in a hardcore band wants to be a rapper and yeah. can't. So, yeah, I think it would, be, it would be hip-hop music for sure.
0: That's a good one. This is a fun question because you never know what to expect. Yeah, truly. My husband would have similar music taste to you, but his answer would for sure be to be a drummer in a country band.
1: Interesting. Yep,
0: that's a random dream of his. That's
1: fascinating. (laughs) I have always, like, maybe my other answer, more complicated answer would be, I've always thought it would be fascinating to be, like, the other instruments person. You know, like, the person who, like, does the cowbell occasionally or does, like, a little bit of keyboard or whatever (laughs) in, like, a weird alternative like the talking heads or like the pixies like a 90s like weird band because those dudes seem like they're having a real good time.
0: I mean it's probably the best but the best gig out there. (laughs) All right well today we are kicking things off with the discipline of solitude. So Matt uh, why don't you tell us what kind of how you would define solitude and then why you think it matters.
1: Yeah um, so to me, solitude um, is the practice of being three things, silent, still, and at least physically alone. Um, So, you know, it's hard to do in a crowded room in a coffee shop or, you know, at home when the kids are running around. Um, And, you know, for solitude to work, it's not just about like, having me time, um, it's kind of about having like, I, my wife used to describe it after our first was born as like staring time. Like she would just go (laughs) sit, what'd you do? I went and I stared (laughs) quietly. Um, to me that is like kind of a form of, of solitude. Um, I think when we're talking about it as a spiritual discipline now, it's really being quiet, still and alone with the Lord. So, um, For me, uh, my initial sort of phase of solitude was that I would stare out the kitchen window. Like I'd stare... Some people do this, stand at the sink Mm -hmm. and like be done with a dish, but just take a minute. And when I learned to take that very natural thing and A, be intentional about it. So like do it at a certain time every morning. And B, when I started it, say, you know, just say a little prayer like, Lord, like I'm inviting you into this time with me. Um, Let me invite the Holy Spirit into this time with me. And then, yeah, you kind of... what we call zone out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, I think that's cool because yeah, solitude can be very uncomfortable for us in our world today. We are just used to a lot of noise. So I'm sure it takes practice to get good at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it reflects in our relationships a lot of the time, like even in our most like marriages and dating relationships and relationships with kids and parents and like our most intimate relationships. You know, it's the old like you're out to dinner and you see a couple both on their phone. Mm-hmm. It's not that they don't love each other. It's not even that they're bad people. It's just that's how we are. And solitude is really kind of cultivating a date with God in which you are just sitting and staring at one. You know, you're not <laughs> conversating. That's a different kind of prayer. But yeah. this is the kind of like just romantic gazing into each other's eyes kind of quiet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, so uh the writer of the celebration of the discipline shares about how uh spiritual disciplines are supposed to be liberating and not confining, so when it would come to solitude, do you agree with that
1: i do um I think it's incredibly liberating um, I think that um, the best analogy that i that i 've heard so far about about this is with really any discipline, but certainly with solitude. If you're in a room and you know the size and the shape of the room, you're free to run around. Um, and the room can be big or it can be small, but at least you're you're free because you're not going to bump into anything. You don't you know for a fact there's no like a uh, uh, angry bear in the room. You know there's no like um, there's no holes in the floor. You know because you know the parameters of the room. And sometimes that can be a bedroom or like if you think of a skating rink as a room. And there's a lot of freedom in a skating rink to like that's fun. That's a fun sure. room, right? If you're in the dark, it doesn't matter if you're in a skating rink sized uh, room or your bedroom, you are trapped by not knowing the parameters. Does that make sense? Yes. As an analogy. So it's really like the person who has no parameters, the person who has no discipline, the person who is poking around in a dark room trying to find their way really is like the less free of the two.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's incredible. That's a very good analogy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Literally, I always say analogies are the one thing that I'm actually good at.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Well, what are kind of some tangible tips or stories that help us practice this discipline? Uh,
1: Yeah. I mean, for me in my life, uh, I always like to remind people that when they hear me talking about this stuff that like, I'm not naturally inclined to this. Like, I have an ADHD diagnosis. Um, like, I, you know, there are, like, <laughs> a doctor could tell you why stillness and quiet is probably not going to be my strong suit, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, the idea that I could ever, like, gain anything from being still, or or being quiet, or certainly being alone, um, is kind of laughable on one level. Um, and, You know, even now there are times when I sit and I think about like a million different things. You know, I go um, if you're on staff or you know me, you know that I like get up in the morning and I walk to a bench and I sit on this bench in the park.
0: Matt's famous bench.
1: My bench. um, (laughs) And like there are times when I go and do that and I'm just totally distracted. I think about everything. I think about everything instead of nothing. You know, I think about what I'm going to do that day, if the kids are okay at school I mean, even to stupid stuff, like, what am I gonna eat for lunch? Like, you know, and then there are days where it just clicks, where I just feel like the Buddha out there, you know, just like, like, I feel like I'm floating a little bit off the bench. (laughs) It's not often, but that does happen. What I've come to realize, though, is that, like, the days that it's good don't matter if I beat myself up over the days that it's quote, unquote, bad. Mm -hmm. Because it's never good or bad. It either is or it isn't. Like, I'm, another quirk of mine is that I probably quote Star Wars more than I do the Bible, which is bad for a pastor to do. <laughs> but like, you know, Yoda tells tells Luke, do or do not, there is no try. And I think that's really the thing with this particular discipline is like if you get up and you do it, you you win. Yeah. It's only in quitting that you fail. That's awesome. Does that make sense? Yeah. And cool. great encouragement. Yeah, absolutely. So um there's a there's a good story of Um, um, Thomas Keating is a monk who taught um, stillness and solitude and he was teaching it to a nun one time and she said oh you know father I'm terrible at this I thought about a thousand things you know while we were being quiet and his response to her was like well what an amazing you had a thousand chances to to give those things over to God that's amazing you did it perfectly you're great at this Um, so I always kind of tell people that little anecdote
0: yeah Wow, that's awesome. (laughs) Love that it's Star Wars related. Also Star Wars related. Yeah. (laughs) All right, last question. Uh, In our first podcast, I kind of went through how the author of this book, he lists three categories that kind of each discipline falls into. So he explains them as inward, outward, and corporate. Uh, He lists solitude as an outward discipline. So the way he kind of defines outward disciplines are that they help us, uh, they help prepare us to make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. And this could be time we've been trying to stop thinking about ourselves. So I'm just curious if you relate to that. I think solitude, at least when I think of it, even culturally, you might picture like meditation Mm. or maybe people take time like that to like de-stress or um, it feels more individualistic. So when he listed it as an outward Mm. discipline, I thought, okay, that's that's cool. But do you relate to that? How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, Well, so for me, I relate deeply to that because the sort of school of contemplation that I learn from is a literal place in New Mexico called um, the Center for Action and Contemplation. Hmm. Um, And it was started by Richard Rohr in the 70s or 80s. um, And, uh, you know, it was run by Franciscans. And like that, they recognized what he did. And they're probably friends, honestly. I I recognize the title of the book (laughs) Um, from a very early time that like, this is not individualistic it's not it's not you time it's not yoga you know well yoga is great in a form of contemplation but it's not the sort of like um cultural concept of like self-care yes um it is truly a time in which you know when we think about action um whether it's social action or action in your relationships you know making the world better um I think back to Jesus's words of, you know, love your neighbors yourself. Like, isn't that the ultimate thing? Like anytime we do anything um, outward um, to try to make the world a better place, whether it I mean, it can be something as extreme as like activism, like social activism, or just simple as like trying to make your marriage better, your friendships better. Mm -hmm. You do that because you want to love your neighbor the way that you love yourself. But in solitude, we find out about ourselves. Like, we how can you love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love yourself? And how can you love yourself if you don't know yourself? Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So for me, it's a profoundly outward-facing um, practice because in coming to understand who we are in the Holy Spirit in silence um, by by quieting our egos, because our ego... This will be a long podcast if we get into all this. But <laughs> like, you know, our ego, um, Thomas Merton called it the the shadow self or like the small self. It's necessary. We all have one. Like, for sure, you know, you could be the most humble person on, on the earth. If you're a human, you have an ego, right? Absolutely. But it's the it's the little us that has like that we've built for ourselves. And so solitude and silence and contemplation are a time for us to kind of like turn that down like a radio and listen for the Holy Spirit. Um, to tell us like who are we outside of what we've done, what we've seen, what we've accomplished, what we've failed at, all of those ego things. And once you know that, oh, you're so much more effective in the outside world. Does for that make sure. sense?
0: Oh, definitely. I'm always
1: worried I'm getting too like heady, <laughs> or like too like.
0: No, no, no. <laughs> I think that's great, and again, helpful for your mindset if you're uh, you're willing to attempt kind of practicing this discipline. Yeah. So, yeah, cool. All right. Well, thanks for sharing. Mm -hmm. That is a wrap on solitude. So that's all from us. Those of you listening at your community groups, your host has your discussion questions. Thanks for listening.